Good afternoon, football fans, and welcome to episode 48 of Sports Talk with Rags. And today we have 12-year NFL veteran Charles Mann with us, and he uh, made a name for himself in the NFL by playing 11 seasons with the Washington football team. So, Charles, how are you doing today? Mark, I'm fantastic, man. I woke up this morning. <laughs> right. Yes, yes. Uh, hey, so uh, appreciate your uh, your time. So uh, so tell tell us about, uh, let's see, starting to play high school football and then uh, – Moved on to uh, Nevada and then and then into NFL. So, how did the uh, itch to play competitive football started? You know, as I, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and um, you know, I'm a, I'm a you know decently intelligent guy, and if there was a way I could have gotten out of Sacramento, California, and off to some college without playing football. Um, that would have probably been fine as well. Um, I'm really an entrepreneur and, and that's, you know, what really drives me as I matured and started looking at what I wanted to do with my life. But I only played one year of high school football. So I only played my senior year of high school football. Um, and because of that, I didn't have a lot of options, but I know I needed to get out of Sacramento. So um, I, I went to Nevada, Reno, because they played on grass uh, and, and, and um, Oregon State played on turf. And back in those days, you slide your arm on the turf and you, you, you've cut yourself completely up. You're bleeding. And so turf was really, really hard that those years. And so I had already had my first knee operation. I was playing um, street football at 16 and I got cut by a guy. I'm, I was 6'5 at the time. This guy that cut me was about 5'10. And so he went low and took my legs out from under me and that blew my knee out. And so I had my first arthroscopic surgery at 16. So yeah. anyway, then I went on to... Then I went on to Nevada, Reno. Right. And uh, let's see. So Nevada plays uh, a Big Sky uh, conference. Back in those days, yep. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, let's see. And then I guess uh, senior year, what, uh, uh, go to the senior bowl or go to the combine? Because I see that the football team drafted you a third round there in the 83 draft. Yeah, so um, so I played, you know, those first couple of years, uh, the first year at Reno, having only played one year of football, you know, I had that uh, that potential, you know, that they had always see. I was 6'5 when I got there. I was 6'6 when I left. I was 195 pounds soaking wet, maybe 205, you know, if I was pushing it, put some weights in my pockets. Uh, when I left uh, Reno, I was 230 pounds. So I'm 6'6", 230. Um, and so I ran for in the combine. I didn't go to a senior bowl. Nobody really knew who I was. And the Redskins and the 49ers and the Redskins then, the foot, foot Washington football team now, but the, the Redskins and the 49ers really had their eye on me. And so every every game, one of those scouts were there. Um, and so 
I had a ch I had a chance. I moved up in the draft after the combine. So I went to the combine. I ran with the linebackers and I ran with the defensive line. And so I ran very well with the linebackers. And that draft in 83, you know, you had Dan Marino, you had um, Elway, you had um, you had you had Jim. No, Jim Kelly. I think was a year earlier, I believe, I but we had Eric Dickerson, right. you had uh, Charles, not Charles Haley, but you had um, a bunch of the Buffalo Bill uh, guys. So I'm thinking of Daryl Talley. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was a who's who. I was impressed, right. you know, when I was in the combine, I wanted to see these guys up close and personal. I had, I saw them on TV and they were, you know, all Americans and all everything. And I was nobody. So I competed against them. And I, I ran the best one of the best times with the linebackers. And then I ran with the defensive line. And it was you no know, it was really no no uh, real threat on the defensive line. I was faster than all those guys. And so um, I got picked in, instead of the fifth round, which the 49ers were going to pick me in. I got picked in the third round by the Washington football team who had just won the Super Bowl the year before. And so I came on the Washington football team, Super Bowl team uh, with Dexter Manley and Joe Jacoby and Russ Grimm and uh, Tony McGee and Perry Brooks and Art Monk and Charlie Brown and and Joe Gibbs, you know, it was, I mean, I was, you know, I came from this small school and next thing you know, I'm playing with these superstars and I was just hoping to make the team. I was now 235, 6'6", six, six, soaking wet. Um, and they put me in positions that they put Dexter Manley in a year prior. And that was, I was the release man on the punt team. I was the L1 on the kickoff, so right in the middle of the field. And it was, uh, you know, I was going to get killed at, at special teams or was going to kill somebody. Uh, funny story, um, you, I don't know if you remember the name Stump Mitchell. Yes. Stump Mitchell. He is now a coach. He's a coach. I don't know what organization he's coaching at now, but he's in the NFL. And I ran into him probably about – six or seven years ago, he's with Philadelphia. But anyway, Stump Mitchell was a running back for the Arizona Cardinals at the time. And I remember running down the field at L1, which there's a kicker. And then on the left side, there's L1. On the right side, there's R1 and two and three, all the way out to the corners or safeties at L5 and R5. So the beef is up in the middle. That's where all the, the, the stuff happens, the collisions. Right. And so I was running down and I was taught to just act like a psycho because people will get out of your way. They'll be scared. And so I was running out, ah, screaming. <laughs> and when I get down the field, I just launched myself into the wedge. There were four guys standing there trying to block for Stump Mitchell. Well, when I launched myself and I screamed, they all got out of the way. And so I found myself flying in the air right into Stump Mitchell. And I hit him so hard. I hit him so hard that I looked down and he was snoring. He was asleep. 
and snoring. I didn't know when you get knocked out, you can actually snore. He was. And to this day, when I run into him, you know, last five or six or seven years ago that I ran into him, he said, man, what well, that was a great hit, man. So this is like 20, I mean, this is like 35 years later, Stump right. Mitchell remembers a hit that he never even saw. He saw it on film. <laughs> so, anyway, this is one of so, my stories, one of my many stories. Yeah. No, uh, no, that's great. And uh, I mean, your, your rookie season, you know, I mean, uh, the, the football team definitely had great offensive stars, but I mean, like you were just talking about, I mean, the defense was, was a bunch of who's who, just like the offense had Theismann and Riggins and Art Monk and, you know, later on with Gary Clark, but your rookie, your rookie year, you guys go 14, 14 and two and uh, back, back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and we were a little bit cocky. Now I wasn't, you know, right. I you know, I just got there, so I was just doing what the team was doing. Right. But we it pretty much came pretty easily. The defense, we we were holding people to very few points, making it easy for our offense to score, getting turnovers for our offense all the time. We had Neil Okowitz, Rich Malott, and Mel Kaufman at linebacker. We had Dave Butts, Dexter Manley, and Daryl Grant on the line uh, with Todd Liebenstein, uh, who I was playing behind. And then we had, I mean, we just, we had Daryl Green as a corner. Um, we just, we, we were, we were killing people. But that was also the year where the NFL was just starting to, join the entertainment world, if you will. So, so athletes were now considered entertainers. And Joe Theismann was cheating on his wife with uh, an actress. Um, uh, oh, gosh, what was her name? I can't even think of her name right this minute. But anyway, so Joe Theismann had a suite at RFK Stadium where he had his wife and then he had another suite where he had his actress girlfriend. And so it was that kind of stuff that was going on. Uh, uh, Mark Gastineau was dating the six foot tall blonde. Um, uh, what was her name? Uh, big, tall, uh, blonde haired uh, European woman. I can't think of her name right this minute. But anyway, so it was it was in it was starting to be that. Now, you know, you have that there's a crossover in athletes that, you know, go on the red carpet and, you know, they're dating entertainers and whatnot. But this was the first of it. And so that had a lot to do with how well we played and how we showed up in the second Super Bowl. In fact, we didn't show up. I mean, we went out there and we just thought we were, we were God's gift. We had just beat the Raiders three weeks earlier in the last uh, regular final season game at RFK, we beat them in a comeback. We'd scored 15 points, unanswered points in about three or four minutes. And so we had all that going for us and we show up against the Raiders in the Super Bowl and, you know, 38 to nine or whatever it was. And, you know, they had our playbook, it's, it felt like, and, you know, they just wanted it more than we wanted it. We just beat them 
you know, three or four weeks earlier. And, you know, we come away with my first Super Bowl appearance and a loss. Right. Uh, you know, it was it was tough. It was really tough. Yeah. Well, you know, later on, I mean, during your uh, time there at RFK, I mean, you guys you guys won four four division titles. You went to four four Pro Bowls. And then when uh, I grew up in a military family and when my family and I uh, moved to southeastern Virginia here in um, August of 87, you know, that was that was the year that you guys uh, made it back to the Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. at the beginning of the game, the Broncos had you guys up 10 nothing, But then the second quarter, you guys shut them out and dominated the take like a 35 to 10 um, halftime lead, but then you guys uh, held held on and won uh, 42 to 10. So talk about winning the first Super Bowl. That, that was um, now, and so in that first Super Bowl, you know, I didn't have any say. I was a special teams player. I was backing up Dexter Manley and Todd Liebenstein. In this Super Bowl, we had a strike-shortened season. My wife was pregnant with our first child, and that's significant, by the way, because we have three children, and all my kids were born born on Super Bowl years. Oh, wow. so so yeah. So I, little did I know at the time, but that would become the phenomenon. My wife would be pregnant, we'd win a Super Bowl. So <laughs> yeah. knowing that, she'd be pregnant some more. But anyway, so. Um, so we we had the strike shortened season. Joe Gibbs made a uh, made a great he did a great job of making sure that we stayed together as a team. Even though we were not practicing as a team, we weren't, you know, they had the replacement players come in. We we did everything we humanly had to do to make sure we stayed together. We practiced at a high school um couple of the players that were leaders kind of ran the practices and we just stayed together. And then when the strike was over, we didn't have the issue like uh, like the Dallas Cowboys had. A lot of those guys crossed the picket line. As a matter of fact, their whole team was available in a game against us and we beat them with with, with replacement players. I want to call them something else, but anyway, replacement players against the real Dallas Cowboy team with Randy White and Danny right. White and all them, and we beat them with our replacement players. Anyway, but we stayed together, and I think that was the difference. When we came back after the strike was over, it didn't take us long to get back in stride, and we went again, something like 14-2, and two, having won three games with the replacement players, and we went 14 and two and went on to the Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos. And I'll tell you, uh, you can look on YouTube, you can find this play. So our coaches were awesome and our yeah. coaches put us in the right position. A lot of my success came from the great defensive coaches in Richie Pettibone, uh, Torgy Torgerson, um, all the, all the court, I mean, all the, um, the defensive coaches that we had. But one of the things they told us we would see in that Super Bowl was the quarterback throwback. Mm 
And we had not seen Denver do the quarterback throwback the whole season. But they did do it in preseason that year. So one preseason play, our coaches showed us in practice every single day we prepared for it. And what happened is back in those days, you weren't in the shotgun very much. Right. So so the very first time Elway got in the shotgun, our coaches said, we will see this play. Now, how did they know that? That's incredible. So my job was to tell Dexter, because he wasn't, you know, the brightest tool in the toolbox. Anyway, so my job was to let Dexter know when Elway got in the shotgun because he would see the quarterback throwback and he was to cover John Elway. Well, when you have two weeks to prepare for a game, you always – you stay with what got you to the Super Bowl, but you make little tweaks. And so the tweak they did, they flip-flopped it. So I see Elway in the shotgun. I yell across the line to Dexter. He didn't know what I was saying, but the Dexter, Dexter, look, look, look. Elway, shotgun, throwback, look. Dexter, huh, 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 okay, okay, okay. And then the line pulls and goes away from me. Well, that's a defensive key right away. If if your tackle pulls, then you look upfield for reverse. Right. Tackle pull, my first instinct is get upfield for the reverse. So the tackle pulled. I didn't think anything of it. I got upfield. That's what we're taught. And I brushed up against John Elway. (laughs) <laughs> who who got the ball in the in the in the um in the uh shotgun handed it off to Steve Sewell and then he took off for a pass but when he was taking off for the pass he brushed my shoulder but I got up field I'm looking ahead for a re- a reverse and right. when he ru- br- brushed my shoulder I said uh-oh and I didn't say, uh-oh, but I said, oh, right. something, brother. And I took off and turned and sprinted after him. Yeah. Alvin Walton, our strong safety, saw it all, and he followed Elway. Elway catches about a 20-yard pass, goes another five or six yards. We stop him on about the eight, nine-yard line going in for a touchdown. Right. We hold them to a field goal. That made it 10 to nothing. And then, oh. of course, you know what happened after that. We – Doug Williams went nuts with Ricky uh, Sanders and our running back, who was a one-year wonder, Timmy Smith, runs for a 1,000 yards, 200 and something. Uh, And it was just, you know, the rest was history. But we shut them down after that. We were nervous in that game. Everybody was slipping. We were – we are – Joe Gibbs made us come to the sideline, made all of us change our cleats to longer cleats because you know when they when they get a, a field a natural grass field prepared for the Super Bowl and it's been played on all season it's brand new grass so it was brand spanking new grass and it was pulling up every time we were turning we were slipping and falling so he made all of us if you look at the outtakes of the Super Bowl you'll see all of us on the sideline changing out our cleats to longer cleats you'll also see uh, us making the, you know, telling everybody, calm down. 
We're down 10 nothing. It's no big deal. And then you'll see my play where Elway burns me for the little 20 or 30 yard pass. But Alvin Walton and I stop him. Um, it was pretty. I mean, I remember that game like it was yesterday. It was, uh, it was a fun game to play, in, especially when you win. It's always fun when you win. Right. And um, so, Charles, thanks for uh, joining me uh, today. And, you know, uh, but I mean, the NFC East, I mean, uh, nothing against the uh, Eagles and the Cardinals uh, during your time. But with uh, Washington winning four division titles, the Cowboys winning three, the Giants winning three during your during your years. I mean, those were uh, those were some uh, tight, uh, exciting games there. We all know about Cowboys Redskins or Cowboys uh, against uh, the football team. And then uh, Giants, Giants and Washington. That was also a fun rivalry with the uh, Meadowlands uh, versus uh, RFK not being a far, far distance. But talk about playing in the NFC East. I mean, those were some exciting it times. Was, it, was the, it was the toughest league out there. At the time, the NFC East was the place to play. It was where men played. It was smash mouth. It was – you didn't throw the ball. It wasn't like the West Coast offenses of the 49ers and all that where they're dinking it down the field. You had to run to get some yardage. You know, John Riggins plowing through the line with the hogs. You had – I mean, that's when men were made. And so – we knew that if you won the NFC East, you had a good chance of winning the Super Bowl. And so during my years, if we didn't win the Super Bowl, the Giants were winning the Super Bowl. Or if we didn't win the Super Bowl, the Cowboys were winning the Super Bowl. And so we all, if you look at the Buffalo Bills who went four times in a row to the Super Bowl, you see who they got beat by the four times. It was by the NFC East. Right. You know, uh, and so, yeah, it was fun. It, it, it accounted for a lot of my injuries. You know, I've had I had uh, over the course of my career in college and, and in the pros, I had 15 knee operations uh, since the pros. I've had a hip replaced, a lower back. Uh, I'm soon to get both knees replaced. I mean, it was brutal. And uh, this 60 year old man could tell you it was brutal. Uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything for the world. It was fun. Uh, Joe Gibbs always took pride in that we were the toughest uh, practicing team. So when John Madden and, and Summerall would come to our practice on a Friday, if they were doing the game, he wanted us to go after it. He wanted to make sure we were playing smash. This on a Friday now. We got a game on Sunday. And we're going after each other because Joe Gibbs wanted to show – John Madden and Pat Summerall, that we were the hardest working team. Right. And, and, we, and he showed it, and we were. <laughs> right. And as we, uh, as we wrap up, I mean, you, you mentioned it, but the second time the Bills went to the Super Bowl, they ran, they ran into you guys. You, um, you guys uh, beat them. And then after the 93 season, then you were uh, able to uh, – go to the 49ers and the 49ers definitely had some offensive weapon, but with, uh, you know, I lived in uh, 
Marin County at the time, uh, Hamilton Air Force Base uh, there, there in Nevada. And uh, so I definitely remember that 94 season. But, you know, just like when you got drafted by, by Washington, I mean, they had great offensive stars and you guys had a great defense. Well, here with the 49ers, there in the 94 season, I mean, you, uh, along with primetime, along with Richard Dent, you know, come to San Francisco and, you know, you guys just dominated that year. We had the secret threat. My wife was pregnant oh, that's and, right. uh, and, and, and had a baby uh, in April of that year. But anyway, so it was it was determined already we were going to win. But that year um, and people have been trying to, to do exactly what we did that year. But we had uh, Gary Plummer from the four, from the San Diego Chargers. We had uh, Ken Norton Jr. from the Cowboys. We had Ricky Jackson from New Orleans Saints. And then we had Richard Dent that you mentioned from Chicago. We had Dion from Atlanta and we had me from Washington. Well, guess what? We went back and played in their home state, hometowns, all of our teams. Gary Palmer was the last one in the Super Bowl. But we went to we went to New Orleans where Jicky, Ricky Jackson came from. He got booed. We went to Atlanta to play where Dion came from. Dion intercepted a, a, a interception return for a touchdown. They booed him. We went to Chicago, played uh, the, the Bears. Richard Dent was on crutches. He had an ACL tear. That's why I came in. And they booed him on crutches. Then we go to Dallas and we play with Ken Norton Jr. And he gets booed. So, of course, we come to the Redskin Stadium and uh, we're playing the Washington football team. And everybody just assumed I would get booed. Well, guess what? I did not get booed. In fact, I took a bow after sacking John Freeze. I had my only sack in that season. My last season with the 49ers uh, was against John Freeze in RFK Stadium. And after I did that, Dana Stubblefield, you can see this on YouTube, Dana Stubblefield is encouraging me to do something. And I didn't know what to do. So I did what I saw John Riggins do a couple of times, and that was take a bow. So I took a bow after sacking the Washington Redskins at the time, yeah. quarterback and John Freeze, and I was wearing a 49er uniform, and the crowd gave me a standing ovation because I did not leave on my terms from the Washington football team. I was cut by Norv Turner. So Norv Turner just took over the team. I played on a hurt knee that whole year, so he thought my career was done. So I showed him it wasn't by winning the Super Bowl. Then I retired. <laughs> right, right. And uh, let's see. So what was uh, what was after the NFL? What was after the NFL? Do you still uh, work with the football team or? So for five years, when I first retired, I went to work for Channel Nine CBS Sports. Uh, local CBS Sports and the network CBS Sports. I was doing football games as a color analyst and I was working at the local TV station. I didn't like that, Mark. It wasn't it wasn't fun. 
it was more mean spirited. It was more negative. Uh, they wanted me to talk, uh, you know, very, uh, very stern about the team. And if a player was doing bad, they wanted me to dog them. And I just didn't like that kind of stuff. So I got out of the media after my five year career. So so at 34 years old, I retire. I went into the media from 34 to 39. At 39, I, I, I decided I was going to do something different. That's when I got into the business world. Started a company with Art Monk. He and I had a credit card processing company for 10 years. So at, uh, at 50, I sold that company. And then I started a new company again, Charles Mann Enterprises. And uh, I'm in my eighth year with that company right now. Uh, I went back to school at 51 and got my undergrad degree, which I hadn't gotten. It took me three years. And then I waited a year and I went back and got my master's at 56. So I am uh, got all my paper now and legit and just enjoying life. But I'm working my butt off with two jobs. Right. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, Charles, I know that I told you that uh, an episode goes about 20 to 25 minutes. And sorry. I do a lot of talking. Sorry. Oh, no, no. Sorry for uh, going over. But I appreciate uh, appreciate your time and uh, talking about uh, playing in the NFC East and uh, being in four Super Bowls and winning winning three and having a great uh, NFL career. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Sure, no problem. And uh, that's a that's a wrap here for uh, episode forty eight. Appreciate uh, Charles uh, taking the time to being on uh, Sports Talk with Rags and everybody. Everybody have a good evening. And I guess here with the uh, July fourth right around the corner, uh, I guess the training camp here is uh, about uh, four or five weeks away. I saw that OTAs weren't. Um, you know, they just uh, finished up here. Here about yep. a week or so ago. So, all right, Charles. Thanks again, and uh, have a have a good evening. Okay. Thank you. Okay.